Take your Bibles, please. We're going to read a number of verses, and it will mean more to you if you will follow in your scripture this morning. I'm turning to Revelations, the 19th chapter, and I'm beginning with verse 11. Our subject, the final step to Armageddon. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge, and notice those words, and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. No question about who we're talking about here, is there? And the armies, notice that word, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Those of you who are Bible students, you recall through the scriptures that phrase, rule with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God, Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. No question who this is. Then it says, I saw an angel stand in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come, and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. No question, here is a great battle that we are discussing this morning. First of all, let me give you a brief summary of my presentation in a nutshell. Today, we are living in the end time. World governments are following the leadership of the United States with a quickening pace into a new world order in which all nations will be governed by the papacy. And when this is achieved, Satan will reveal himself as the real Christ. Taking over the papal throne to rule as the God of this world. All nations will unite under the rule of the Antichrist in preparation for a worldwide battle of Armageddon to fight the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. But nothing will stop the return of our Lord. He will completely destroy Satan's global kingdom 
and he will reign as king of kings and lord of lords and best of all to rescue his subjects and take them home with him to paradise now we're going to have to move very rapidly this morning in order to cover the enormous amount of factual material that I am going to present, which I recently discovered in this book published by Huntington House Press this year, 1992, and the author, Gary H. Carr. It is called En Route to Global Occupation. The author is a high U.S. liaison in the government, and he has exposed the secret agenda for a worldwide unification. Now you're going to be surprised this morning to discover that this new global order is a satanic plot against our eternal God. And I am going to present evidence based on three focal points. One, the economics of the movement, Two, its political dimensions. Three, the secret spiritual modification behind this one world government. And through the united effort of these three forces, the plotters are planning to achieve a one world government before this decade ends. Now please, please keep in mind that all the efforts of this global occupation are the relentless strategies of the prince of this world to bring all humanity under his satanic rule that he may keep this world as his own and fight the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am amazed and utterly amazed at the quickening pace of this movement of how Satan and his followers could possibly think that they could keep Christ from returning. But then, that is the mystery of iniquity. Ellen White describes the speed of these last day events in early writings, page 88. I saw the rapidity with which the delusion was spreading. A train of cars was showing me going with the speed of lightning. The angel bade me look carefully I fixed my eyes on the train. It seemed that the whole world was on board, that there could not be one left. Said the angel, they are binding in bundles, ready to burn. Then he showed me the conductor, who appeared like a stately fair person whom all the passengers looked up to and reverenced. I was perplexed, and I asked my attending angel, who is this? He said, it is Satan. He is the conductor in the form of an angel of light, and he has taken the world captive. They are given over to strong delusions to believe a lie that they might be damned, and they are all going with lightning speed to perdition. Thank God. He has not left you and me in darkness as to what is about to happen. He has always promised that he will reveal the future to his saints through his prophets. Amos 3.7, surely the Lord God will do nothing 
but he revealeth his secrets unto the servants, his prophets. And for example, let us see how God has revealed end-time events to King David hundreds of years ago. In Psalms, the second chapter, 1 and 2, Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, Let us burst these bands asunder and cast these cords from us. But then when you read verse 4, you find that God in heaven sits back and laughs. He actually laughs at these attempts of these people in the world. And he says to Christ, Today ye shall rule them with a rod of iron. Now before we proceed, we must be aware of something that I was totally unaware of a few months ago, that the framework for a global occupation has already been completed for immediate implementation. Today, the World Constitution and Parliament Association has existed for many years, and it has now developed a world constitution together with laws ready to enforce when such a one-world government becomes a fact. And this is documented in this book on pages 165 to pages 211. Now let's look at number one, the global economics of this one world government. First of all, there must be a new world currency. And many nations have already agreed and produced samples. In your hand now, I have placed a paper and look at the back and you will see actual photographs of this new world currency, which there are many nations such as Canada, Germany, the United Kingdom, Japan, and others. And on this new currency, there is to be a spot containing a metallic strip. This metallic strip will enable an electronic device to quickly detect money as it passes through airports and international boundaries. About a month ago, I learned that the United States had now produced such. So I went to the bank this week, and I asked for a $100 bill, which I have here. You cannot see it when you look at it, except that you hold it up to the light. And across here, you will see the metallic strip. What I am talking to you is not a fable. These are facts that I am presenting today before you. And it will soon appear in all $100 bills, all $50 bills, and all $20 bills. In addition, this system is calling for a cashless international program. Perhaps some of you have traveled some, to some of our larger cities like Los Angeles, and you have been amazed to go into a store like Safeway or Bonds or Alpha Beta, as I did, and stand there and see people before me purchase $30.25 worth of groceries and never give them a dime, never write a check. All they did was pass a little card through a slot, and instantly, from their bank account, $30.25 was taken, and it was transferred to another bank in the name of the grocery store. And this is the plan to control money in the future. 
Furthermore, they are going to make sure that everyone who has such a card can do so, for they are planning to place a grain of rice, I should say a microchip, the size of a grain of rice in everybody's hand or forehead, which will have your social security, your nationality, your religion, and all of the information. And as you stand there, the machine will instantly scan it and place it before the teller or whoever it may be. Now you are beginning to see, as this plan is developing, what Revelations 13, 16, and 17 has to say. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. Oh, you say, Brother Nelson, now you're really going astray. You know, as well as I do, that this has to do with Sunday keeping. Yes, I'm sure. There's no question about that. But we are dealing, when I mention this to you, of how it will be enforced. And the plans are being made in detail today. Now, let us look at this new world order, which has been made, coming in the years back, almost a hundred years. Look at our Federal Reserve System of the United States. This agency has a mighty hand in our everyday economics, but the name is very misleading. You will be surprised to learn that the Federal Reserve System is not a part of our government. It is a private cooperation owned by 300 stockholders, and our government has absolutely no control whatsoever over what it does. And its existence came into act by an act of Congress in 1913 on December the 25th, and 90% of the Federal Reserve is controlled by stockholders who are not even the United States citizens. I will mention the four top stockholders, the Rothschild Bank of London and Berlin, the Laser Brothers Bank of Paris, Israel Moses Seif Bank of Italy, Warburg Bank of Hamburg and Amsterdam. And keep this fact in mind, the Rothschild family of London are the ones that have the controlling interest in the Federal Reserve System among these 300 stockholders. And we will learn another amazing thing that in the conclusion of my presentation this morning, we will discover that the Rothschild family is closely allied to the Masonic Order of Masonry, whose secret teachings are that there is to be a one world government in which Satan, the Antichrist, is going to rule this world. Now we must return to our study of the economics. The Federal Reserve System takes billions of U.S. taxpayers' dollars to finance this new world global order. And from the interest the U.S. pays on billions that the Federal Reserve is loaning to our government, this interest is being placed in tax-free foundations, which was granted by our government. So the World Constitution and Parliament Association has all of the financial needs to accomplish its objective 
of a global government. Next, as we look at this mighty organization, let us see how it has captured the world's supply of crude oil. And remember, no nation today can survive without oil. Through John D. Rockefeller machine, they have obtained 90% of the control of all of the world's oil. And under this mighty cartel, it controls the following companies in the United States. Exxon, Mobil, Standard Oil of California, Standard Oil of Indiana, Standard Oil of Ohio, Marathon, Phillips 66, and Chevron. And remember, Exxon controls 321 other companies, plus Arco and Texaco. That takes them all, doesn't it? Now you can understand the power that is developing behind this new world constitution and parliament association. And we should not overlook the economics of this movement, of how it has taken a stranglehold on the educational system of the United States. On page 21, I read, they have developed the Rhodes Sec Scholarly Program, which you hear now quite often mentioned in the newscasts. This is completely financed by the Rockefeller Foundation through its foundation money with the one sole purpose to promote globalism, preparing the students of the United States to accept a one world society. And they are funding the most educational facilities in America. They supply 431 top administrative leadership jobs. They are funding 113 top educational positions in the government. They are funding 70 top press and radio positions. They are providing 14 executive educational foundations. So the World Constitution and Parliament Association has gained control in our government of its educational system. So much for the uh, economics. Let us take the second. Let's turn to the political dimensions. Here we must consider the Council on Foreign Relationships, called the C. FR. This is a mighty agency of the World Constitution and Parliament Association, which controls hundreds of members of the world leaders in all governments. And let me give you the name of the directors of this agency since 1921. You will be amazed at these names. Walter Lippmann, Adelaide Stevenson, Cyrus Vance, Brzezinski, Robert Anderson, Paul Volcker, Theodore Hashberg, Lane Kirkland, George Bush, Henry Kissinger, David Rockefeller, George Schultz, Alan Greenspan, Brent Scowscroft, Jane Kilpatrick, and Richard Cheney. These are ones that we have been thinking have been for America. This organization controls 38 affiliated organizations with its headquarters in New York City. Just listen to what some of the important people of our day have to say regarding the Council of Foreign Relations. Rear Admiral Chester Ward, who was a member himself for 16 years, states, and I quote, it has one objective in common, to bring about the surrender of the sovereignty of the national independence of the United States. 
Dan Smoot, a former member from the FBI. The ultimate aim of the Council of Foreign Relations is to create a one-world system. On page 32, I read John R. Rakick, a member of Congress, has stated, not only does it have influence and power for converting the United States from a sovereign constitutional republic into a one-world dictator, Ship. And John Warburg, who recently testified before our United States Senate, and I'm quoting from page 33, we shall have a world government, whether or not you like it, by conquest or consent. What challenging words. Now take a dollar bill out of your pocket or, or just turn over that paper that I give you, gave you. And I want you to look on there at that United States dollar bill, which I have pictured there for you. Listen and look at it as I read these words taken from page 34. The new world order, it should be explained, is an expression that has been used by the illuminized Freemasonry to signify the coming world government over which the Antichrist would come to rule once it has been built. One of the illuminized Freemasonry's secret symbols portraying this message was placed on the back of our dollar bill during the administration of Franklin D. Roosevelt. Roosevelt was himself a 33rd degree Mason and a close associated of the Council of Federal Relations. This Masonic symbol consists of a pyramid with the all-seeing eye of Osiris, or Baal, above it. Underneath the pyramid is written Novus Ordor Seclorum, which means in Latin, the New World Order. And then as you go on, you'll find the amazing fact in this plan, it is the plan when the new world order is accomplished, that the separated capstone will be joined to the pyramid, thus establishing the fact that the Antichrist has taken his seat in a one world government. Have you ever heard of the Bilderbergers? It's a name that has come to us. It was the name of a hotel in Holland where this association meeting was first held in 1954. I'm quoting from page 38. The group consists of approximately 100 power elite from the members of NATO. And what is the purpose of the Bilderbergers? To see that Europe will unite in a one powerful group or region. And you know that this has been in the process of being voted on at the present time in Europe. They want to make Europe one of the ten world divisions which will be overruled by the papacy and the Antichrist. Are you acquainted with the Club of Rome? It consists of a hundred members 
involving a council of the foreign relations. This club of Rome, I am reading on page 40, is charged with the task of overseeing the regionalization and unification of the entire world. They plan to divide this world into ten kingdoms or regions. And you will notice on that paper the picture of what has been the recent plan. We will discuss this later when we study Revelation 17:12, where it speaks of the ten world kingdoms at the end of time. On page 44, I read, perhaps you have heard of another powerful organization, the Trilateral Commission. Its major responsibility is to see that all U.S. industries are combined in but a few. And I have been amazed, and you have, as you listen to the reports of the news from week to week, how this great company is taking over this company, and this company is taking over another company. Something is happening in America, and there is a purpose. They cannot bring about a one-world company in the United States unless there is but a few that they can manipulate. And furthermore, we have been amazed to find week after week that Japan is taking up and buying some of our great buildings, great sections of real estate, and the Arab companies are doing the same. Let me read to this, page 44, the global planters... Their strategy involves funneling American and European consumer money to the Japanese industrialists and the Arab oil magnates who will promptly use it to acquire Western companies and real estate. In this way, if the American people were to blame for their difficult times, the financial times we're in, they would not blame the Rockefeller or their allies who are the ones responsible. Do you see this plot thickening? Can you see what is developing by the world constitution and parliament? You know, in school we have been taught that our presidents and the presidents and the, the kings and others are the ones that have been responsible in the past for what I'm going to read to you, but don't you believe it? It has been the Constitution and World Parliament working through these men. Let me read it to you. In 1913, the Federal Reserve System was set up. In 1920, they are the ones that were responsible for the League of Nations. In 1920, they developed the Council on Foreign Relationship. In 45, they were the ones that developed the United Nations. In 1954, the Bilderbergers. 1968, the Club of Rome. And in 78, the Trilateral Commission. Now, if you don't think that this has to do with our government, let's look into the Bush administration, and I am not talking to you about politics this morning. This has nothing to do with the way you may vote or not vote. On page 51, we find that 350 of the personal staff of George Bush are members today of the Council of Foreign Relationship or the Trilateral Commission. Do you see how it is in the government? And finally, they have now been able to place 60 of their members in the strategic positions of the Treasury Department, the Defense, the National Security, and we could name them more. But now it's time to move to the third. It is time to look at the hidden catalyst behind all of what is taking place. 
I'm talking about the secret spiritual power. And here we discover the society of the Masonic Lodge, which is the catalyst for all these agents' work in the world governments. For the Masons are actually merged with each, as signified by the following U.S. presidents, which have all been members of the Masonic Lodge or the Council of Foreign Affairs, and I will name them Franklin Roosevelt, Henry Truman, John Kennedy, Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford, James Carter, Ronald Reagan, George Bush, who is not an official member, but he is a member of the Masons' most inner secret society called the Skull and Bones. And if you think that this has only to do with those who have been elected, it also has to do with those who are running in opposition. For I read on page 54, not only have our presidents belonged to these organizations, but the candidates running on the opposite ticket, almost without exception, have been members. And when I read that, I did some investigation. Clinton, running for presidency, is a member of the Bilderbergers. And Perot is a member of the Trilateral Committee. So whoever gets in, it makes no difference. And now we must over, not overlook the news media of America. All of the following are members of the Council on Federal Foreign Relations. This is a part of the World Constitution Association. You will be amazed. Page 56, CBS. These are the newscasters who are members, William Parley, Dan Rather, Bill Moyer, NBC, Dom Brokoff, John Chancellor, Marvin Cobb, Ivan Lorene, ABC, David Brinkley, John Scaley, Barbara Walters, CNN, Daniel Shore, PBC, Robert McNeil, Jane Lair, and Hotting Carter. Do you realize what will happen when this associate says, this is the time to move? When these men, night after night, talk to the American people, they will follow quickly. And the same thing is true of our newspapers and magazines. I was absolutely astonished. These are all members of the Foreign Relations and the Trilateral Commission. The New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, the Boston Globe, the Baltimore Sun, the Chicago Times, the Los Angeles Times, U.S. Today, you name them. And the magazines, Fortune, Time, Life, Life Money, People, Sports Illustrated, Newsweek, Reader's Digest. I could go on. Now you can truly elevate, evaluate the recent Gulf War when George Bush said the following, we know why we're here, we are Americans, part of something larger than ourselves, and what is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order. And then we says, among the nations of the world, only the United States of America has had both the moral standing and the means to back it up. We are the only nation on this earth that should assemble the forces of peace. And this is the burden of our leadership. No doubt about it.
The United States is now in a position to fulfill Revelations 13:12, in which it says, He shall exercise all the power of the first beast before him, and cause the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. There are two great spiritual powers in the United States of so-called Christianism, Catholicism and apostate Protestantism, and they are now joining hands. But the scripture tells us that there will be a third, for it says, out of the mouth of the dragon. And of this power we see the paganism developing in what is now called the new world order of the new age. And of this we find that he claims now over 150 million members in the United States and Europe, in which they teach there is no God, only a God force which will flow through all living things, which is pantheism. This new age religion supports a one world government and it teaches that when global unity is achieved, a God force will then be released to make everyone a God. And that is what the devil gave in his first lie to Eve. He said, if you do this, ye shall be as gods. Pantheism also teaches that man never dies. And you recall that apostate Protestantism and Catholicism and now the New Age this is that which they can join hands over because they all believe it in common, as Sister White has pointed out. Therefore, there is no need to worry about a judgment by God, for we will continually and forever be reincarnated. Can you see the subtlety of the New Age religion, which is nothing more than pantheism in a satanic, spiritualistic program. Both Alice Bailey and Helen Blavatsky, leaders of the New Age religion, have declared that pantheism and mysticism and the occult are one and the same. I'm reading from page 70. The most dangerous weapon of this New Age is to be found in its power to alter the mind breaking down the defense mechanism of the mind. And that is why I am totally and positively against neuro-linguistic programming, which is even now attacking our church. Why? Because it is the method that has been used through past ages of paganism in the approach to the spirit world of demons. The method that has been used in old Babylon of old. Now follow me carefully. Through the centuries since Nimrod and the Tower of Babel, the secret societies have constantly preserved what we know as Satan's worship. Why? With one purpose in mind, that someday to develop a one-world global power so that the Antichrist, Satan, can rule this world. And the World Council of Churches fits into this picture beautifully. 
for it demands an ecumenical movement, and I am against it, and I will have nothing to do with it, for its purpose is to unify all churches with Rome for a new world order of international interfaith, making global occupation possible. The secret society of Freemasonry is the gating hand, the, the guiding hand between all of this which I have discussed. Alice Bailey has revealed in her book about Masonry on page 511, the book entitled The Externalization of Hierarchy in these words, the Masonic movement is the home of the mysteries of the seat of initiation. It holds its in symbolism, the ritual of deity and the way of salvation. The all-seeing eye that you saw on the dollar bill. The work can go forward. It is far more a cult organization that can be realized and is intended to be the training school for the advanced occultist. In its ceremonies lie hidden the wielding force connecting the growth and life of the kingdom of nature, pantheism, and the unfolding of the divine aspects of man. Now in all kindness and clarity I must mention that the vast majority of Masons have no idea that their organization teaches such. This is never brought to their attention until they enter the 30 and the 31 and the 32nd and the 33 decree Masons. Then, having been caught in the web, they are then revealed what I am about to reveal to you. And I am quoting this from a book that can be found in all Masonic libraries. I am reading now to you that which has been taken from paganism and handed down from the Knights Templars, from paganistic into the Masonic Lodge. And let me tell you, as I read this, that the name Sataniel means Satan, and the word Adonai means Christ. I'm quoting, God, the Sovereign Father, had two sons. Now, I want you to notice the counterfeit. I want you to notice what this damnable religion of Satan tries to do to our wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. God, the Supreme Father, had two sons. The elder was Sataniel, Satan, and the younger was Jesus. To Sataniel, who sat on the right hand of God, belonged the right of government of the celestial world. But, filled with pride, he rebelled against his father and fell from heaven. Then, aided by the companions of his fall, he created, who? Satan? Created the visible world, the image of the celestial, having, like the others, its sun, moon, and stars. And lastly, he created man. Who? Satan and the serpent which became his minister. Later, Christ came to this earth in order to show man the way to heaven, but his death was ineffectual. 
for even by descending into hell he could not wrest the power of Satan. Indicating Satan, not only the prince of this world, but its creator, led to the further doctrine that Satan, being all-powerful, should be adored. What? Didn't David, didn't, didn't Satan want to be worshipped and adored in heaven? So he's going to get it here on this earth. And I'm quoting on down in morals and doctrines from this book. Yes, Lucifer is God. And unfortunately, Adonai is also God. Now here we see the old dualism of that which was taught back at the Tower of Babel and became the religion of Babel. For the eternal law is that there is no light without shade, no beauty without ugliness, no white without black, for the absolute can only exist as two gods. Darkness being necessary to light, to serve as its foil as the pedestal is necessary to the statue. In the analogical and universal dynamics, one can only lean on that which will resist. Thus the universal universe is balanced by two forces which maintain its equilibrium, the force of attraction and that of repulsion. These two forces exist in physics and the scientific reality of the divine dualism is demonstrated by the phenomenon of polarity and by the universal law of sympathies and antipathies. This is why the intelligent desire, disciples of Zoroaster, as well as after them the Gnostics and the Manichaeans and the Templars, have admitted as the only logical, medical, metaphysical conception the system of the two divine principles fighting eternally. Can you see the great battle that is pictured here? by the Masons, and we find this heresy is that Satan is the real true God. Listen, Lucifer is the God of light, the God of good, struggling for humanity against Adonai, the God of darkness. What a damnable thing to be preaching to the people of the world, and the world is accepting it. Now with this understanding of Satan's desire to become God, we can see this world crisis materializing before us in a purpose to develop a new world order united financially, militarily, educationally, politically, and spiritually with a world divided into ten regions or kingdoms that is to be ruled by the Pope so that Satan can take over personally as God and unite the entire world against the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in conclusion, take your paper and spread it out on your lap where you have the chart of all these beasts. This will take us about 10 minutes. And you need not keep your Bible handy because I have put out for you on this sheet so you can look at it without moving 
from the chapter of Revelation 17 in which it discusses these things and we are going to talk about the beast number eight. You will notice there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. And this eighth one is what we want to talk about because it's the first time that you find a woman in prophecy sitting on the beast. And you know that a woman represents a church. And you know that this woman is an evil woman. She is a harlot. She is a whore. And she has in her hand all the paganistic doctrines from the beginning of time within her cup. And she has finally arrived where God says she is seated on this beast who has seven heads and ten horns. And these ten horns are not the ten horns of the previous beast which we will soon discover. Now let's read chapter verse 7. You'll notice it says there, And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carried her, which hath the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that thou sawest, and here isn't this interesting, it was and it is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is what a conundrum now before we go in any further let's look at these beasts these are the beasts of prophecy. God pictured them for us. And you'll notice that there are seven and finally eight. And the first one has to do with the dragon, which was cast out of heaven. Just quickly, I'm going to go over these, not in detail. It says in Revelations 12:9, he was cast into this world. And it says it was Satan the dragon. He finally developed his first universal kingdom of Babylon in 606, which became the second great power in the world, which was passed on in 538 to the third power, Medo-Persia, which was passed on in 331 to the fourth power, Greece, which was passed on to Rome in 168. This was the time when Jesus came to the world and was crucified. And then you remember it split up into ten kingdoms, ruled finally to be overruled by the papacy in the year 538. This is Old Testament. Now let's look into the New Testament. Here we find in the year 538 that the papacy gains control of the entire world. Ruthless destroying 150 millions of God's people. And then it said it would receive a deadly wound. And in the year 1798, Berthier, the French general, took him prisoner, the Pope. And he died in exile, bringing death and destruction to that great program of the papacy. Now it is no more. But immediately at that same year, the United States comes in, in 1798, recognized by the same power that destroyed the papacy. 
recognized as a world government. And at first it was a very religious power in which church and state were divided. But as you read in the prophecy, it too comes to the place where it speaks as the dragon, taken over by the power of Satan. And then it told us that while this power is in being, the deadly wound would be healed, which we know started in 1929 and has grown in power until today. We studied here in that book in which the Pope claims that before this decade is over, because of some great cattle, great terrible event, he is going to be thrust on the throne of this world. The deadly wound will be completely healed. This then is the eighth beast. Now, let's look at verse 9. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. Oh, we're going to look into God's mind just a little bit. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. You'll notice seven beasts. You'll find that mountains and you will find that heads represent powers in the scripture and prophecy. And verse 10, these are the seven kings, all right, that have ruled this world. And it says five are fallen. One, two, three, four, five. Paganism was the last. But now we are entering the book of Revelation in which it says, and one is Catholicism, the papacy. And the other is not yet come, the United States. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space, or in Greek it says, a little while. Verse 11, and the beast that was, that's number six, and is not, he received his deadly wound. Even he is the eighth. So the papacy's wound is now to be healed completely. And it is identical absolutely with the sixth beast. But it tells you something more. It tells us that this beast is of the seven. Everything from the beginning of time. All of paganism is wrapped up in every one of these great powers on which this beast and it is the eighth and then it says and the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet this is the last division of this world as you will see just below in which the club of Rome is dividing the world into these ten kingdoms and the ten horns which thou sawest, verse 12, are the ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with a beast. Just for a short period of time, the devil is going to rule these ten kingdoms, the entire world, in preparation for what? It says they have one mind. They have all joined with the papacy and have given their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings, 
and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Oh, I want to tell you, can you see Christ coming with his army, his vesture dipped in blood, his name the King of kings and Lord of lords, for what purpose? To make war. And do you see that great power of the beast ruling the ten great sections of this world in a great battle to keep the Lord from coming, but thank God, nothing will stop the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to rule him with a rod of iron. He will be victorious. Let me read that last line. And with him are those who are called. You've all been called. And you've all been chosen. And faithful. Are you going to stand through these last great years just ahead? Are you going to be faithful to God and his message? Our Heavenly Father, as we see these closing events transpiring before our very eyes these days, knowing that through the spirit of prophecy we are told that the last movements will be very rapid and that it will come with the speed of lightning. O oh Lord, may our names be in the book of life. May the Holy Spirit so control us and teach us and may our faith become so strong that we will be in that army to defend the truth and to stand and to look up knowing that we are ready to see Jesus. This we ask this morning in the name of him who died for us. Amen.